Hi, this is episode one of Therapeutically Speaking, a podcast hosted by three licensed clinicians who have been practicing in San Diego County for a number of years. Our podcast is aimed at talking about our profession in general, as well as a variety of uh, mental health and therapy-related topics. My name is Aaron Stroud. I've been practicing in San Diego since 2004, originally from the Chicago area where I had been working in some various form of um, social service, community-based level since 1996. With me are my two co-hosts, Lanessa Vickery and Andrea Guzman. You forgot something very important, Aaron. We're also his co-workers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name is Andrea Guzman, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have been in San Diego since 2007, but before, I was working in the foster care system in Los Angeles in Compton. So that's pretty much where I come from. Uh, Lanessa Vickery. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, I've been licensed for two years now, um, but I've been working in the field since 2009. I'm a Bay Area native. I've been in San Diego since 2007. Um, and I've been working in children's mental health the whole entire time. Yeah. Yay. All right. So this is being our first episode. You forgive some slip-ups or mistakes. We're doing our best here to bring you uh, relevant topics and engage in some back-and-forth discussion. Remember, all of these opinions are ours alone, and we represent no other entity other than ourselves. Um, first topic that we thought was important to discuss today is the um, – heated controversial topic of mental health and gun violence, gun control. Um, if you're not familiar here in San Diego, just last weekend, a father, a 31 year old father, um, took his own life, but not before taking the lives of all of his family members, including his ex-wife and their three children who died instantly. And then the fourth just passed, unfortunately. Yeah, look, we just got a message saying Yesterday. that the last child, the fourth child, died. Yeah, Super sad. Off life support. Um, obviously begs the question of what role mental illness, um, probably substance abuse, to um, took in this situation, and obviously access to weapons is an issue that we're all been talking about. Seems like forever. Yeah, getting a lot of like, oh. Back and forth online, I'm seeing a lot of like fighting between like it's mental health or it's guns or guns is the problem or mental health is a problem. Does that, I mean, I don't know. Is that really the point? Does that really matter at this point? I mean, I think mental health is huge, obviously. Um, but I think everybody needs to kind of come together and some consensus on what we're going to do about this. Right. right because I, I mean, mean, regardless of the opinions, the fact is that our country is the most violent in the world when it comes to. Um, people taking out their whatever aggressions, hurt feelings, whatever, um, with guns and ammunition. Um, by myself, I, I grew up around guns. I am not afraid of them. I've um, um, been taught to respect them. Um, do I think it's my right to own one? Yes, but that doesn't mean I have to own one. And, and I, I, it always comes down to me, it's like, 
you know, the more guns that hit the street, the, the, the more guns are needed. At least that's the mentality is that, you know, if everybody's got a gun, then, you know, wild, wild west. I, I don't know what the answer is. I, <laughs> wild, wild west. I, do, I mean, I, I do support, you know, background checks that actually work um, because there are people out there that shouldn't have weapons, if, whether it's their Second Amendment right or not. When you're when you're an aggressive individual or you're sub- abusing substances and you don't have that, you know, forward yeah. thinking. Aaron, who's monitoring all that? Where that's that's our, well, our big um, issue that we have right now. Who's 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 going to monitor that? And, mm-hmm. and we need to get more even more background into that situation that just happened, where with the restraining orders and and then he sent a picture with guns and alcohol. I mean. Right. And then we didn't even talk about domestic violence yet. No. We didn't get into that, Melissa. What would you do if your man sent you a sent you a, a picture of a a gun in some beer? Your ex man actually. Yeah. And was like, I'm coming to it's get It's really you. concerning. It just sounds like a family where they didn't access mental health services mm-hmm. in time to get the help and support that they needed until it was too late, unfortunately. Um and then they interview the family members too. We're like, well, yeah, we we knew there's something going on, but mm-hmm. we didn't think it would, this would happen. Well, no one thinks this is going to happen. Right. I, my, my thing is, I'm not casting blame on any mm-hmm. person or entity or or government official. None of that. Right. Just something tragic has tra- tragic happened. Was there anything that could have been done to prevent it? Um, you know, I don't blame the gun. I don't blame weapons for violence. I blame people for violence. Um, we, we still live in this culture where it, it's it, we're still very aggressive, and we have been from the very beginning of this country. It was founded on violence. I mean, period. Can't be argued. But but we also kind of forgot to mention that we are all coworkers, and well, we mentioned that, but we didn't mention that we work in a school. So sometimes we catch some mental health red flags in some of the kids that we counsel. And then, okay, so what do you do when you catch the the the, the mental health flag? Meaning, you know, what, what what do we see, guys, in some of the kids that some we do? Some kids with? that are like unstable. Their mm-hmm. fascination with guns. Their mm-hmm. fascination with violence. Um, also, unfortunately, if there's a caregiver that abuses substances or there's very little supervision at home, um, that's also another red flag. Yeah, so then, like, what's supposed to happen then? Okay, so there's the red flags now. I kind of feel like it's collectively a bunch of individuals have to come together and say, you know, kind of like when we're writing, like, you know, that new law about how when we're writing a child abuse report, like, a bunch of us have to come, all the parties involved that have heard it have to kind of come together and agree that a child abuse report's going to be made, something like that. Like, we all come together collectively as professionals and say, hey, uh, I'm very concerned about this. Can we... I don't know what next (laughs) have a meeting. We're we're not sure what to do next. (laughs) And we've been working in the school system for quite some time, but it's, it's very challenging. But I, but I, I I kind of feel like at the end of the day, somebody has to have the, you know, cojones to speak up, even though they might be, you know, um, outed as being, Oh, Oh, you're, you're jumped to conclusions. Well, mm, you know, am I, yeah. Uh, and then I guess she, she, she got a restraining order, right? What she, yeah. she, she got a restraining order, but it was it less was than 24 hours too late or they denied. Well, no, no, she got it granted uh-huh. on Friday and then he killed them 
at the wee hours of Saturday morning. Uh-huh. Yeah. So but, uh, she didn't even have it for 24 hours. Yeah. But those, um, what are they called again? <laughs> the restraining order doesn't protect you. Right. That's exactly. the thing. Yeah. Like, there's this right. I mean, idea, like, show oh. up with a gun, the cops aren't going to get there. They didn't get there yeah. fast enough to, no. to um, protect them because, no. you know. Well, and then I'm sure it was, like, um, private, too. Like, the family wasn't letting other people know what was going on. So when they saw Dad show up, they didn't really think much of it. Okay, but guys, this is my whole thing about this. Okay, so as you guys know, well, I've already said this twice now. Sorry to repeat myself. <laughs> we work in a school district. So there's got to be – okay, the kids are a product of domestic violence, possibly witnessing domestic violence. Now, the – Family members said that she shielded them very well. I'm a firm believer that as best as you shield a child from domestic violence, they know. Whether they're receiving projected anxiety from the mother or whatnot, they know. So didn't uh, one out of the – okay, one of the kids was three, so maybe they weren't in like school age. But from one of the three children, Mm -hmm. weren't one of them displaying some type of like mental health? Who who said that there was – okay, obviously – According to the papers, the, the divorce was started back in June of last year. Oh, okay. And and the, I, as far as I know, the divorce was finalized. Mm-hmm. This guy started acting crazy only in the last six months. So um, in that time frame is when mom was finally – they were already separate. Mom was, was trying to go on with her life. That was mm-hmm. setting them off. And then – so was there this long history of domestic violence? I Nobody said that. Yeah, that's true. So uh, what I is trying to say is if there were – long-standing history of domestic violence in the house somehow that would affect the kids and could or should have alerted school officials who are mandated reporters who have to mm-hmm. make a report when they suspect any sort of child abuse. It doesn't have to be evidence of it. You just have to suspect it. You phone the, you know, the, the hotline and then if they deem it appropriate, we'll send a worker out to check things out. Had that been going on? Yeah. Just public service been- announcement. If you ever want to do that, you can do it anonymously. Right. So and people you are very be, paranoid. You cannot be prosecuted or sued civilly or criminally for making a making a report that turned out to be baseless. You're you are acting in good faith um, to report some abuse and or suspected abuse and neglect. And if it turns out there is no abuse or neglect, you're not held liable for making that report. Um, I think a lot of people are afraid to make that report mm-hmm. because they're afraid of repercussions. Repercussions from the abusive, that's separate. And obviously that's when you involve the police. Like, if, yeah. like I heard you, t- you called CPS on me. I'm going to act at that, that, then you. Yeah. What if you're like the neighbor and you're like, right. oh my gosh, what's going on over there? Mm-hmm. You want to follow Anyway, report? were there, you know, red flag? It's hard. I don't know. Could this have just been a, you know, guy that's smoldering over the last six months and just okay. snapped one night? But still, too much? and uh, therapeutically speaking, um, I, I still think he okay when when you finally okay if he had that kind of like relationship with her where she he was you know um, codependent on her right. or whatnot then he's abandoned all of a sudden from her right. okay and then he's deeply triggered his you know maybe Whatever. he had reactive attachment disorder I don't know and he's we'll cover that on a future episode right and and he's he's having an intense fear of abandonment reaction. So his his reaction is not based more on 
I want to kill you so you don't have to, because a lot of people were saying in the media, like, oh, it's because he didn't want her to be with anyone else than him. Right. But, yeah, the, I'm just saying there's other types of motives. Right, no, I understand that. Right? But, but if that were the case or not, you don't drink, we assume he was drinking that night, uh, and go grab your 45 and go kill your family and yourself. So clearly there was something... But Very he was. A, I, heard, I, I, I thought I saw in the media too that he's an alcoholic, like a yeah. depressive alcoholic. That's so he, this probably just was his last standing trigger that took him over the edge. Mm. Yeah. We're speculating, Definitely. but uh, <laughs> sometimes that's too, okay. there's a spike in this kind of behavior during the holidays where people mm. become more violent or commit suicide, and so mm. this could have been, you know, also triggered by the upcoming holidays and not being with family potentially, uh, good point, or maybe Vanessa. even a psychotic break or something. That's why there's three brains here, and we consult frequently at work. Put yeah. three minds together. But I wonder, too, how much of this domestic violence was discussed among family members. Because mm. I know there's a lot of shame in not talking about it. And um, is, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, culturally, yeah. they were a Hispanic family, right? And so talking about that, would that be taboo? I'm asking. I think it would be taboo um, culturally because, you know, there's a lot of machismo, you know, in the Latino culture. So the man's supposed to lead and be in charge, and sometimes it's by force. And for mm. full disclosure, uh, Lanessa is a member of the Latino community. Tina. Tina X? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, Latina, I, am I understand a, Latinx. La Latino I am descended from Northern Europeans, full disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron likes to say full disclosure a lot. And before he says full disclosure, you think something really big is coming, like, oh my gosh, I'm wearing purple underwear, but it's really <laughs> just... I'm from European and culture. Well, I mean, <laughs> Full disclosure, I'm from Chicago. So. <laughs> We're just teasing her. That's like we do at work. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. um, I mean, that's maybe gun violence and mental health could be a topic that we, we tackle again later. Mm -hmm. But um, we're about halfway through our first podcast, and we have another topic which is very relevant to the time you heard Lanessa kind of mentioned it already holidays. When you have to spend time with people, you try to avoid the whole other part of the year. <laughs> Getting, I'm joking. Or you don't, and you sit in your guilt. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So what are, what are a couple of things we, we were talking about for this topic? Boundaries and toxicity. Are using boundaries to avoid toxicity? Mm -hmm. I guess you have to identify it first. I mean, a lot of people just continue to go with their families, and they're just – they leave the Thanksgiving dinner like, I'm exhausted emotionally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they don't even know why. And it's like, uh, because there's several toxic members of your family that have. So we're, what know, are some examples of that? We, have, well, we all have yeah. them in our family. But let's... Yeah. Well, there's the overly critical family member that needs to give you their feedback on every part of your life <laughs> without <laughs> you asking. <laughs> That's fun. There's, there's, uh, I, I blessed have come from a very solid family of some pretty healthy people, but I, the family member, this, and if this is a gripe, it's a really small one. It's kind of petty, but getting asked every year, what is it you do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Are you still doing therapy? Yeah. That, yeah, so oh, just like again? completely abs absent. Okay, so toxic family members. So you said the one that's overly critical. What's another? What's another prototype? The <laughs> addict family member. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's an obvious one. <laughs> the narcissistic family member. <laughs> 
Yes. Um, one that everything happens to them. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing's been created by them. Yeah. Yes, your access to family member mm-hmm. or your... Which we'll discuss, we'll oh, discuss yes. that in another That'll podcast another, as well. Another 75 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah. I, yeah, so, I mean, the the... What do you do when you know, okay, like I said before, you have to identify that that family member is present. And then what do you, some, some of the things that I personally do is, you know, you limit your Thanksgiving dinner. Yes. You know, it's not, I'm going at 9 a.m. to sit around until noon, right. until the cookies, the, the cookie, <laughs> the cookies out of the oven, the turkey's out of the oven. And then we sit another three hours because for one, that leaves the alcoholic family member right. to be completely trashed. Yeah. And then you have to like deal with their and here's the thing everybody you don't have to have alcohol at Mm -hmm. thanksgiving yeah it's not required right (laughs) right so you can i mean if you're hosting you can say i'm having a martinelli's thanksgiving yeah i've done that before actually it's martinelli's thanksgiving everyone (laughs) um connected to uh not to get morbid but to be real because we're talking about the you know our experiences as clinicians all this time is um, we've all heard stories of um, you know, sexual abuse um, in families, and a lot of times it is the holidays when it's happening because people are drunk. A, B, um, kids are running around all over the place. You know, the adults have let their guard down because you don't expect a family member to do something to your children, so you, you let your guard down, and that's unfortunately what the uh, pedophiles and the the ones who are going to do that they 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 bet on that. They rely on that. People are going to be, their supervision is going to be uh, inhibited. Um, right. It's just awareness is not to scare you. No, it's just that it's true. You have to, <laughs> yeah. it, it Aaron is, is very detailed with his pedophiles. You know how many, kids, how many kids we've seen who tell that story? It was oh, my yeah. uncle. It was at Christmas. My mom and dad were in the garage. That's true. Or they That's took, true. He took me into the garage or took me upstairs, mm-hmm. told me not to tell. I mean, these yeah. friggin' horror stories by these people who are yeah. just, they're, they're looking for victims and they're hammered. And, and so their inhibitions are really diminished. Um, yeah. I think, too, to, uh, just adding on to that, is being around family members that have hurt you when you were younger. Um, That's another thing that's really stressful about the holidays as well. And and imagine being an eight-year-old where something bad's happening and you're being told not to tell because they're going to take you away and mom and dad don't know about what's happening because you're afraid to tell them because of what the person said to you. And now they're saying, hey, we're heading over to auntie so-and-so's house and you're just throwing a temper tantrum and trying everything you can to not go and your parents are, you know, Oh my gosh, I have so many clients like that. Right. Oh, you just yeah. described it. So imagine the, 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 what that kid's going through. He's being forced to go back to where his trauma happened. What, what about you guys, like, um, you know, where you go to Thanksgiving dinner and you're like, if I say X, Y, and Z, this person's going to go off. Yeah. Like, you know, their trigger words. And so you just sit there and you have to sit there quiet. Like, I don't want to say anything because if I say this, they're going to go off. Are they going to, you know, yeah. and that just ruins your entire it does. experience. And, and what, how fair is it to be? You're the only family member that's expected to keep their cool and, and behave yeah. themselves while the others get to just go off and do whatever they want. <laughs> right. How exhausting is that? But you have to sit through that. Well, now that, you're going to be pissed off at everybody too. That's why you just do the two hour Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. I got to go. I got another Thanksgiving I have to go to. What? And they can get pissed all they want, but you're gone. And they can, you know. 
be pissed at home by yeah. themselves and you're gone. Bye-bye. <laughs> so that's, that's an example of setting a very healthy boundary. Um, so, so how not to give into the guilt though? Yeah. What, what do you do with that one? Cause that's I the kicker. I always say choose guilt over resentment. Right, well, I'd rather feel guilty than feel resentful. Cause ooh. guilt goes away a lot quicker than resentment. Resentment lingers. Ooh. That's tidbits mine. from Vanessa. It does. But, I like that one. I mean, I think, I mean, it's easier said than done, but, you know, simply to have the attitude that you don't care <laughs> what, mm-hmm. about that, that you, you recognize what that individual is trying to do is they're trying to keep you pulled in because they're too emotionally stunted to actually deal with their emotions. So they make you feel good. So they project that onto you. Right. And if you're able to be like, I know what you're doing and bye. So you guys, what are some like, I'm talking, let's open up the toolbox for everyone out there during the holidays. Boundaries. So, so no, but, the two hour is a great, that's a great tool. But um, what about, I bring in my green bean casserole mm-hmm. and maybe why I was, that's why I was so paranoid about if everyone's going to judge my green bean casserole. Ooh, full disclosure. Yeah. So maybe was. that's what it was. Ooh, <laughs> I just had a, ooh, we call that a, a cathartic moment. Um, but, and, and I'm just, and, and they're saying something. What do I do? What do I say to them back? Well, I'm sorry. You're not enjoying my bean, green bean casserole. It was made with love. Like, what do you what do you say back to that overcritical person, or do you not say anything? That's an option. There's a lot of like neutral statements that you can say, like you might be right or interesting. Ooh, yeah. Or, because I don't want to get into a back and forth with someone. Yeah. And if I'd be like, screw you, B, or you know, right, <laughs> with a person, you know, yeah, and then it just starts a big family battle, and then right. you know, grandpa gets in, and you know, <laughs> pretty soon everybody's. At I, I would love to talk to like first responders about Thanksgiving. Oh, like how, okay. many, how many calls do they get? I'm going to listen to the scanner on Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's what Aaron likes to do. I he do. likes to listen to the scanner. I do. He gets other, more In insight. Fact, what time is it? <laughs> oh, it's still early. But live, live PD comes on in about an hour and a half. I can't miss that. That's not, a lot of people don't even know what Oh, wait, no, it's Sunday. 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 It's not Monday. 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 Yeah, we have no idea what that is, but okay. That's, that's Sunday anyways. That's Sunday. I think another thing that's important to think about during the holidays is if you've lost family members, Mm -hmm. that comes up too, like a grandparent or a significant other who's passed away and they're not there. Especially that first one. Yeah, like the first one, um, second one even, all of them. So like really being like aware of where you're at and what your triggers are going to be. Uh Yeah. Yeah, so then you have a more pleasant experience at the holidays. It doesn't have, it it can be whatever you want it to be, don't there's so many obligations people feel. And then the gift thing. Oh, my gosh, the gift oh, thing. And the, the gift oh, you don't want to participate in the white elephant? Oh, that's the worst game on earth. <laughs> Who invented that? That horrible, horrible game. I love that game. <laughs> but I only love it when it's like $5 or $10. Yeah. People well, yeah. get really creative. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's got an iPod and now the person's walking around with a squirt gun. <laughs> Coffee cup yeah. with some Hershey kisses yeah. in it. <laughs> Thanks, man. You got this at Walgreens. <laughs> hey, um, no offense to Walgreens. Of course not. It could be a future Walgreens sponsor for the show, man. No, Walgreens is awesome. I grew up in Chicago. Walgreens is it's like a it's like Starbucks before there was Starbucks. Um, a few minutes left here. We want to want to talk a little bit more about self care and how we kind of touched on it. I other? think taking breaks, maybe mm-hmm. reaching out to friends who understand is helpful. Maybe also scheduling an appointment to your therapist after the holidays. Or your massage therapist, or your mas- or your yoga instructor, dog walking friend, or cat. 
You can pet your cat. No, you can schedule a fun run. <laughs> fun run for Andrea. Knitting uh, sweaters for Lanessa and her cat. <laughs> Dressing them up. Yes, baking cookies. Having conversations with them. <laughs> I think it's important too to know that the holidays can be, you can be by yourself. Like, yeah. I mean, some of the most best experiences I have is this, like, probably after you guys leave, I'm going to, Believe it or not, I'm going to go against my own rule. I'm going to decorate for Christmas before Thanksgiving just because it's just when I'm going to have time. Mm -hmm. But doing that by yourself, you know? I mean, yeah, you can put it wherever you want. That's <laughs> put, no, put that star to the right. The star to the right. Shut up, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. Self-care for the holidays. Yeah. Um, or, oh, the other good escape is uh, asking if anyone needs anything from the store. Oh, that is an excellent one. Ice. Does anybody wear <laughs> Yes. Yeah, That's good. My grandpa always did that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anything from the store? I'm like, why does he always go to the... Oh. oh now I know. <laughs> Any final thoughts, ladies, before we close out this first podcast of the therapeutically speaking we will take any thoughts or comments that you have and we will touch upon many mental health subjects just let us know if there's anything in particular that you are curious about yep so until next time i'm aaron i'm andrea i'm vanessa and thanks. we're therapeutically speaking <laughs> thanks for listening